Okay, so we're live. Welcome back to the Magic Minds Podcast. I'm Matt Bork. You're watching and listening to Liberty's number one podcast, Yup the Liberty's Yup the Flats. We bring you another amazing episode from Yup the Flat series. This time we have the lovely May Osborne. May, what's the crack? Grant, not a bother. Not yeah. a bother. Guys, we've asked May to come on the show, not for the first time, but the second time, the first time we had May on, we interviewed up in the flats, up in Trees' Gardens. It was a phenomenal, brilliant interview. Love having the chat with May. But we made a bit of a town halls with the sound, uh, so we didn't think it'd be fair to put an interview like that out with uh, May, and it was a muffled sound. So we said we'd do it again, and I'm absolutely delighted. Why have I asked May to come on the show? One, because she's a saint, because she's Andy's ma. Imagine having to live with that fella. We only spend an hour together sometimes, and fucking hell, me paces will be gone. I'm not saying nothing. You seen it? You seen the I shit am. I had to put up with me there, didn't you? I Giving know, out to me. It's it's not straight. It's not right. Oh Jesus Christ! Like living with the three bears out Goldilocks. <laughs> but anyway, look, I've asked May to come on because May is a friend of mine. She's also my mentor when it comes to spiritual work. She's a holistic therapist, Reiki, mediumship, uh, tarot cards, um, massage. Did I miss anything? Visualization, visual one to one visualization, nutrition. She she does it all. May has a huge background in holistic therapy, so we want to talk about that. But the main thing that we have her on the show for also is because she's from the flats. She grew up in Trees' gardens, and so that in itself is an experience. I used to go delivering coal and logs there years ago, and it was one of the uh, most. Uh, experiential experience is that such a thing experiential one of the most difficult experiences i've ever had as a kid going in there but it was a learning curve uh, the flats are brilliant trees gardens all of our bonds me place lots they're all deadly so may welcome back onto the show thanks thanks nice to be here it's nice to be into the L studio this is me and andy's little uh now i know where he goes when i'm looking for him <laughs> well he might be going somewhere else he doesn't always be here fucking hell wouldn't know what that fella be up there <laughs> so come here tell us about life um growing up in trees's gardens what was it like well i was born and reared in 207 saint trees's gardens um family of four the youngest a baby very quiet family mum and dad walked all the time just quite kept to ourselves but we had great neighbors if it's one thing i'll know about the flats is You'll never get a community like in flats. I'm in a house 20 years now and I love it, don't get me wrong. But you don't have that same community. You could stand on your back, whether you're talking to anybody or not, whether you're just minding kids, get in the block, get in here, your mask gone out or things like that. It was just neighbourly. Do- my door was never closed. I never had to lock my hall down, ever. No. Yeah, I, I, I can't sing that from the rooftops. Like when I started working in the, the Liberty Market yesterday, that inner city community, it's, you, it's sometimes it's hard to describe, isn't it? Just that uh, looking out for each other. Yeah, and was belonging. That what? It's a belonging. Whether your family or not, you belonged in a community, in a group that, whether your mum or dad was gone or whatever situation, you always had someone say, get in out of that, or you do that, or get down that, you know what I mean? You were like, if you're a mother, you were like, you were all your kids. I was just about to say, that's like having 10 miles, isn't yes, it? Yes, yeah. Like, yeah. you know, I can see you, Johnny, whatever, get down, Larry, get down, shh, yeah. fucking don't be doing this, blah, blah, everyone's watching you. Yeah. Uh, so, tell us about, tell us about childhood growing up, work, uh, the, the flats, life growing up, tell us a little bit about that. Well, I went to, well, when I obviously before I went to school and my mum would let me go to Brown Street School because all the nuns, she didn't like the nuns for some reason. So I was sent to School Street. I had a lovely childhood, School Street grant. Um, them days you just left school at 14. I could have probably went down to college, but I was terrified because I thought you were too posh. That was my thinking because I was so quiet, really quiet. Not now anymore. But um, yeah, you do the usual, skipping, playing beds, the ropes. So we'd go down to Brown Street to Daddy's for the ropes. Because we'd always be, we hadn't got, we say, toys the way the kids have today. You'd be lucky to get something for Christmas. But it was mostly, we made do, we made do, we say, in the summertime, we'd be in the gardens, which was so big. 
and we'd be minding the grass when the, the caretakers would cut the grass and we'd have mounds and that was our playtime. And we'd mind in case anybody else would drop the grass and that's it. We had nothing, but we had great fun. Oh, that's we go unreal, fishing in the summer with the jam jars and we'd be collecting the fish and to be all dumped in the bat and the poor things would probably be dead the next morning. We'd go um talk about freedom. Jeez, you had some freedom. You'd go a few of us and we'd go down to Mount Brown and we'd drop the orchards. Now I hope nobody's still alive for that day, but we that was our playtime. It's only here's one for you. Well, don't jump in. I was going by a gaff out by my job the other day. The back of the house it was a grey wall and you could see apples on a tree. And just like what you just talked about, I was like, if we seen that as kids, we'd be over that That's fucking it. wall. Orchard. You hadn't had be um if you're lucky to get a, a sixpence for a payday. But the rest of the time you may do, you kind of made your own fun, you made your own enjoyment, you use your initiative, you use your creativity, which it was brilliant. Nowadays I don't think people e- even know how to how do I use my creativity? Oh, hundred percent if you want too much telly and too much Google. Google, you know, Google this or Google that. You know, yesterday I was doing the stall and I was struggling to add up. I was like trying to add like a few, like people bought this and bought that. And I was like, oh, geez, I need a calculator. It's like my brain has just yeah, switched yeah. off. Yeah. I love the fact that you said there about going out collecting uh, pink ends in jars. Yeah, yeah. Forgot all about oh, that. Beers. Beers. We had a big field before the coon was there. Great big playing field. And just have an old broken down land. I, I do remember me ma telling me one time that a man, they would have only have two-wheeler push bikes. They wouldn't have cars around. And seemingly they used to play cars at London lunch. And there used to be a big fellow, what was the name? Oh, the big sergeant. I can never think of his name. Flanagan. Flanagan. And he'd come and they'd be gone. But he used to give the kids a penny each to bring the bikes down to Kevin Street. So they'd have to go down and collect our bikes. So that's how, you know, strict it was. The men weren't even allowed to do that. But it was there a playing field for most of the summer. Yeah. Collecting bees and just exploring. Yeah, kids don't do these, do these things anymore. I remember, like, even when my young ones, Shauna and me, were younger, and even my nephew, like, I used to bring them out catching pigeons. You don't see, th- the people see that as cruel now, whatever. The brother used to catch pigeons and keep them. They don't do, like, the uh, bee catching, yeah. catching fish, catching birds. Like we used to make these boxes, square boxes with chicken wire on the top right, yeah, and the sparrows would go on them and you pull the stick and it dropped down. You don't see kids doing things like that. It's There's a young around here, uh, Anthony Freeman, he has it. He's at the building, a kind of a meadow over there in Watland Street. He showed me when he was starting. It's brilliant. But like he keeps bees and all. I'm like thinking, that's amazing. Like kids should get into that kind yeah. of stuff. We miss all that, don't yeah. we? Like that's yeah. coming back to nature. And you were always telling me to put me me uh, me lead boots on and get airted, yeah, you know, and that. Going out into the ground and ground yourself because we're all too much in our head. I think at the and moment. And that's what Google yeah. brings us, yeah. isn't it? Come here. Here's the thing, right? Uh, we we can look back on our past, oh yeah, the flats and life, and we can look through like rose tinted glass, and we can be nostalgic about oh, it was brilliant community, but it was also a tough environment yeah. to grow up as well, yeah. you know. So let's let's talk a little bit about that. Uh, well, for one, but toughness obviously would be there was an awful lot of unemployment, so that was one. Yeah. There was an awful lot of trauma in flats, and it's gone on everywhere. It's not just flats. And I began to notice I got married very, very young. I was kidnapped. I keep saying that. By Andy's dad? Yeah, I was oh, 15 Jesus. when I met him, and I married him when I was eight, and it's like, didn't even know what it was like to go camp, but but anyway, that's another. Did John go get you on the back of his uh, his four wheeler? Did he? No, excuse me, he had a Honda. <laughs> <laughs> a Honda. I love it. But anyway, um, well, I think at the time, see, I was so naive. I don't even know how I met the man, but like for man, anyone that didn't hear that, Andy life. just said was it his employing that he may borrow it. Possession is. Bar- uh, possession is no intent of the law, by the way. Well, yeah, like so, we got married, and as I said, I grew up because I was quite. It was like. Done, dusted. Everybody got married young for some reason. Yeah. Um, had my kids. Eventually got back to my mum's flat. So I was living in the flats. It was hard because I was raising my two. And I started to notice, not just myself, other women in the block and the whole flats. There was an awful lot of kids hanging around the stairs. And I lived on the top. So you'd have eight flights of stairs to walk up and down. And we noticed that there was an awful lot hanging around. And I remember one lad now. I think the lad is still alive. So I'm not going to mention his name. But uh, looking for vinegar or lemon, what the fuck would he be looking for? Vinegar. Not realising this was the start of the drugs coming in. And it was getting, it's got to the stage that we were terrified letting our kids up and down the stairs because we didn't know where they were going to pick up a needle. It was blood in it. 
we were terrified. So I think that's how we started. Not just me, it was people before me that the women kind of start trying to kind of get together to sit and say, no, you're not going up there. You don't belong there. You know all this. Mm. And I think that's how kind of the drugs t- thing started, kind of the vigilantes and, you know, getting to kind of, I g- don't get me wrong, I work in communities and I work in projects that would be drug projects. So I do get the other side of it. But it's very hard if you're a mother with kids trying to, trying your best to steer your kids right and being terrified to let them up and down even their stairs to play mm. because of that. So that's I think how it all started. So that wasn't an easy time because it was an awful lot of trauma with families and kids that would have been started on drugs and for God knows what reason. Nobody knows why people go on drugs, but it was hard, very, very hard. An awful lot of um, breakups of families and then... I'm not into the politics and stuff, and I, n- I wouldn't even try because I'm not into politics. That's just me. But it was hard. It was very, very hard. And it was it got to the stage that for anybody that would even think of getting a taxi who had a bit of money, the taxis wouldn't even go up to the flats. Mm-hmm. Where, where I would be dancing when I was young, we'd walk home from town, and when I'd e- reach the flats, I'd know I was safe. So it was a whole different ball game. Like It just started to get so serious. And it was hard. It was hard on everybody, man, woman, and child, because kids were seeing their brothers or sisters going off the rail. The mothers and fathers was tearing their hair out. Then some was going on the drink because they weren't able to handle it. The men was going on the drink. The woman was left to do it. Do you know what I mean? Mm. It was like a revolving the whole time. Yeah. And like it was no way easy at all. It was a huge, like, yeah. we go back to the, 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 the drugs. It was huge heroin epidemic yeah. in the 80s, mm. you know. And then, as you say, the vigilantes. But it, was, it wasn't just that. It was like armed robberies, huge drinking culture. Yeah. Yeah. It was, you know, pain, horde, mm. violence. Yeah. Like, I know your lads, and I know from speaking Andy, Andy, and Gary never turned to drugs, which is it's phenomenal. To bud. To bud. bud. I was lucky. I yeah. was lucky. But mother. it was everywhere. But, yeah. I mean... There was pain everywhere yeah. as well to avoid that, you know. Yeah. Like, it's just it's just phenomenal, isn't it? Yeah. Like, so hard. Um, to me, everybody tries to rear the kids the best of their ability, or the best of way they were reared. And sometimes people forget that. There's generations going back of, and you go and you do what your mother and father, and, and it kind of it's, it's a spiral. It's a cyclical thing. Do you know, know what I mean? Yeah, and I love you touch on that. And, and here's the thing. And when I look back, you know, on generational pain, my pain, my man's pain, program pain, that you, we just pass it on unconsciously. And mm. it's only when we become conscious of it that we can make those changes. You know, and they yeah. didn't know any better. You don't. You do. You put one foot in front of the other. That's all most people was doing at the time. Like, you know. There was no kind of education about drugs. There was no education of um, what you do, what you don't do. This is what you do. And then the people, the person or the people had to be ready. It's like any addiction. If you're not ready, you can talk to the man in the bill. Won't make a blind bit of difference. Yeah. Until you're ready. And just, as I said, it was just most, it was mostly kids at the time. And that was the heartbreaking thing. Yeah, because they are the, you know, they get it in the neck, you know what yeah. I mean? And as you said, and let's look back, you didn't get it, you didn't get a book to parent back then. No. They didn't, as I said to me, ma, when we chatted about my child and my, my issues with me, ma, and her issues with her, no one gave a book out, like my kids. Yeah. You know, as I said before, I've saved money from my kids going to college, but I said to them, you're going to probably use it for therapy. Do you know, like, <laughs> that's probably yeah. what you're going to yeah. need, because I, I'm conscious about things that I do. But there's also stuff that I'm not conscious of and I'm sure they're going, I wish me dad didn't do that, I wish me ma didn't do that. But all I'll ever say is, and we say to our kids is, or you say and everyone says, I didn't intentionally go out to hurt anyone. No. Same with the parents, they're just yeah. trying to do their best, aren't they? As I said, you put one foot in front, you don't know, like I hadn't got a clue. Like I, I, I was only trying to base around my kids on how I was reared. Now some people look back and say, Joe, you were reared too quiet, yet yeah, maybe so I was, but that was the journey I was on. That's I didn't ch- know. That's the jewelry was on. My mum and dad didn't know. They were just trying to do their best. So they thought, well, we keep my air family kind of close and kind of not really. In one way, like if it was ever, and I, great parents, thank God. In one way, I'd always kind of say, they kind of kept me a bit too close because I didn't know what the outside world was like. So I was going out into, oh my God, what's going on? But I had to, like, that, knuckle down and say, right. How did me man and dad do? And that's just the way I tried to wear mine. Mm. Like, I mean, we talk about trees as gardens, talk about any kind of flat complex. It's very hard 
for people to break out of that system, mm. you know, like as much as they're very community driven and they look out for each other, there's that crab mentality as well. Like if anyone's trying to get out of the projects, anyone trying to get out, mm. you get pulled back and it's yeah. a, it's a harsh environment for kids, families or anyone to break out, isn't it? Very hard. Like, like Dan, as I said, I went, left school at 14. I was terrified to work in an office because I thought you were too posh. That was me. But trying to rear mine, trying to get mine to go to secondary, even college. Gary, like, loved football. Andrew was great. And Andrew would more step on me, mum and dad's side, because that was the way things were. But like that, I clean the jobs. That's all I thought I could do. I didn't think and I could go and get better jobs. or It was just a means of survival. Five to fit to rear my kids, I had to go out and scrub flowers, and I'd never be ashamed of it in any shape or form. Mm. And I think I did that up till I was 40. And then I said, I oh, hear there has to be something else in my life, and that's how my whole life changed. Do you know what I mean? It's amazing how you think, Oh, this is all my life, but it's not. I look back and think the learning I've got, the experience I've got, I wouldn't have got it if I hadn't have done scrubbing flowers first. Okay. There's two points I want to pull on. We'll pi- I want to we'll come back to the pivot point. But what is it about inner city people? What is it, you know, and I don't mean to be sexist, but a lot of women, married women, doing cleaning jobs. Why is it that's 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 what they do? Because that's what women always did <coughs> Yeah. from generations. Yeah. That's all people. It wasn't that the men, it was just like that. Generations, you did what your mother and father did. That was a, wo- a woman would keep the family home together, look after them. The father was supposed to go out and work. Some men couldn't work for whatever reason. But the women, okay, what the only thing they knew, because he didn't kind of go on in school. They didn't have secondary, they didn't have college. Was leaving school, you clean. That's all you're good for. You mm. can clean the woman's house. You can clean this woman's house down the road. That she would give you a few bob. She's a big house, but that was a means of getting your kids dinner on the table. You yeah. didn't care. You did it. There was no lateral thinking or, no. or creativity. Oh, I could do this because when I no. was leaving school, like two options was college or an apprenticeship, mm. or just don't go to school and you just go to work. There was no like talk about like, oh, you could do this. You could explore this. My dad was like, you're going to get an apprenticeship. You're going to college. I was obviously taking didn't think I was able for college so not that I wanted to at the time but that, that was the yeah. options back then wasn't yeah. it so yeah there, there was no kind of options no kind of creativity no kind of oh get on the step of the ladder and that's not to try and make yourself bigger it's just it wasn't done it wasn't a thing you just it wasn't an option there wasn't that was life was life and you got on and yeah. either got on right or you didn't well there would be a bit of that from our from people that we knew like if you did try to go on in college or go on and better yourself there's a bit of I look at you now and uh, going above your station yeah, yeah. and who do you think you are because I remember meeting somebody when I was out one night it wasn't long after I left school no I would say it was about five or six years and they were like what's the story with your accent you talk different now and I was like, what? He goes, yeah, and he would straight away put me down, whatever like that. And I remember, maybe I was being, you know, pretentious or whatever, but I was probably trying to get away from my past because I didn't think that would uh, serve me well. Well, that's funny because a person said to me one time, you don't f- sound as if you come from class. I said, where do, you, where, where do I sound as if I come from? The country. I said, I was born and reared in the bedroom in the flats. I didn't get elocution lessons. I am me. I don't say mum, I say ma. That's me. So how the hell would you think? I was born somewhere else, beyond yeah. me. Funny you say that. Uh, I, my ma sent me to elocution lessons in Francis Street School. Uh, my ma taught me, like, when we had a phone, she says, you speak like this. So it was kind of ingrained in me to to not sound or be like I'm from the inner city. Me, and again, this is not blaming my ma, but she was probably protecting me. If you want to get out of here, if you want to do better for your life, don't put this postcode on. Don't speak well, like this. True. Don't do this. You know, where... I then took that as I got older as this is not good enough, you're not good enough, you know, as you are, you know, don't speak like that because that's not good enough, you won't be accepted. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, I know my brother and <coughs> Andrew as well growing up. They had me man moved to Tala and at the time Tala was only kind of starting and it was lovely. But we had to give their address because if you get three gardens, they wouldn't even look at you. Mm. It's mad, and it, and it's funny you say that. It's not funny. It's it's very relevant because we had Paul Kyo on the on the podcast here, and he spoke about that. Even in today's like, well, not so lo- not so long ago, he went back to college and he done education all that. But still, his class and his area is 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 code is is air code or his postcode stopped him from getting work. Yes. Still to this day, do you know what I mean? It still it still prevents people. You know, it's mad, isn't it? Yeah crazy in some ways 
when you look back, and I, I always say to people, look back, but don't stare. Yeah, I had a great childhood in mo- so many ways. And I loved, as I said, the, the feeling of belonging. Although I've grown a lot and reared my family and kind of nearly, ret- well, I am retired now, but I'll still probably work till the day I die. That's just me. I just feel there's no c- connection anymore with people. People have kind of broken away and it's just, they're kind of, and it's a good thing that they're for themselves and mind themselves, but I just think there, there's no that connection, that the bond that you'd have with families and aunts and uncles, that kind of has broken away. I yeah. Feel. yeah, no, I do, I get you. And I was only talking to me dad about this yesterday and I was saying to him about the market and all. Uh, I said, it's the connection. I love being back here and talking to people and, and it's the connection. I says, like that when you go on a weekend with a group of lads, it's not the drinks in the pub or the time. It's the human connection. Yeah. It's being around people and being with people and being part of a cycle or being part of a community. And that's, that's, that's been taken away it's specifically in this COVID situation. We've got further from each other. Yeah. The masks, the, the social distance and all that, you know, uh, and people uh, just doing their own thing. It's huge, isn't it? Yeah. And it's and it's uh, it's sad, I think, with the kids and the grandkids growing up today. They don't have what we had. And I, I, I get it another way in saying, like, you move on from the past. I get that. But I still think it'd be nice for the kids to have a bit of both. Yeah, have the, have the technology because it's grown, they're evolving, but still remember their roots, still remember what it was like, to in, even to experience it. Like how many kids would go swimming in the canal? How many kids a day would gather pink games? How many would get a jam jar and try and collect bees? Collect their frog like, spawn and collect frogs. Yeah. And yeah. yeah, it's unreal. So come here. In case I forget this, me little Dory from Nemo Brain, I lose there. Let's go back to the pivot point where you says roughly around forty, where you thought to yourself, do you know what, I can do more mm. or be more. It Is wasn't. That a, it was like I was, I was brown. Not that I was brown after thinking. It's just on me life in me mind. I was thinking okay. this, and how it happened actually. There was a two day unemployment conference in Guinnesses being held from the Connolly Centre. I didn't know that, but someone said, I think I should. I have. I walked in around Dame Street and that in restaurants cleaning and. So I thought, right, I'll walk up one of the days. And I went in. I actually, can I mention the fella's name? Well, That's okay. 100%. This chap, Joe Cullen, he did all the unemployment. So, Jesus, what are you here? I said, Jesus, I think you're changing my job. Didn't know what to do. Go down and see Jeanette, me, his wife. She was in the Connolly Centre. I swear to God, I was at Marble Lane, the edge of Marble Lane. I said, can either turn into Marble Lane or go up me? I said, I'll go up my street. I'm walking down my street and I'll never forget it. Jeanette Cashin is walking up. And she'd have a job for you. And I said, what do you mean you have a job? I'm only have to be in with job. I said, did you ring? No, she said. I said, well, what, what's the job? Sure, I haven't even gotten in. I have an interview for you tomorrow and I have a CV done. It's in the daycare centre in Rialto. And he can, I haven't got a clue. But anyway, true to me word, I went up. But I just knew I'd feel I'd get this job. And a tree in front of me interviewed me now. But I loved it. I was there and it was a CE thing, three years. I loved it because it was all the old people and you'd be out in the ambulance collecting the people. Now, how we did it today, I'll just give you one scenario. In in Dolphin House, top block, right? Lovely man, won't mention his name. I think he's dead now. This man would have been about 20 stone, I think, and he was in a wheelchair. And it took four of us to lift him from the top balcony all the way, eight flights of stairs down. But bring him over to the daycare centre, you know, and then have to carry him all the way. Now, it wouldn't be done today. How we did, I don't know. And I was a lot skinnier then. Do you know what I mean? That takes some manual handling, wouldn't it? Oh, one on each wheel. Lifting them up all the way up to the top of the 20 stone. Yeah. And I was like, there was two girls and one fella drove the ambulance. Three of us. But I loved it. And that three years went up and obviously we'd see you can't go on. And then, think of us, I finished to be staying on a Friday. And I went to the labour on the Monday. And your man says, are you looking for a job? I said, money after, well, you have to. I said, hey, I'm looking for a job. And night that I went to the Connolly. Have you any jobs? Blah, blah, blah. Oh, there's an administration. Do you know how to turn on a computer? No. Do you know how to type? Haven't got a clue. Right, go, go and get the interview, which was with me old boss, Elaine. Went, got the, got the job. Couldn't believe hers. I haven't got a clue. How on earth? I got two days training for to use a computer. And I came out worse because thinking, I have no idea. And I ended up being administrator there for a good few years. Then we moved to, and I won't go in too long ago, then we ended up moving to Oliver Bond. Then we moved to the Maltons, and then we got the place in Cap, and then that was closed, and then I ended up going to Castle. And I finished there when I retired. 
So it was the way, once I kind of said, there's something I need to do different, it just unfolded. Okay, and that's fantastic. Was there a was there residual low level anxiety or, or feeling of inadequacy, like, oh, I don't know if I'm able for this? Well, I didn't think I was worth it. I didn't think I was worth to be even in an office that I was terrified in the first place when I was 14. And here I'm in an office and hadn't got a clue. Yeah, scared stiff I was. Yeah, because, you know. But the, I did the, the, it. The, yeah, you did it. And it was like, and that, and that comes from you know that not feeling good enough that feeling inadequacy but as you said yourself there you just did it you just kept going was there a feeling in you though from a young age or from can you like looking back that you always felt like you could do more even when you were doing a cleaning job and there's no disrespect to cleaning or Um, whatever but you ever feel like you know i can do some more shit i can do other stuff i was always into astrology and different things different kind of than most kids i would have been a bit of a loner one way but still have friends um, but I, I like I liked sitting at a window and I as I said I lived on the top of it could be mm. thunder and lightning and all I wanted to sit and watch that thunder and the lightning and the rain I was into all earthy things and things I mean okay. I used to think that one is a witch right my brother used to, I won't even go into that but that's what you used to call me the white witch yeah I was always into the something different and I was alone and I liked it I didn't mind being on my own yeah but I didn't think like looking at it clearly like oh I want to be something no that way, it just kind of happened. Okay. You know? Okay. So, look, let's paint a picture. What kind of stuff did you do uh, in the courses when you went back? Oh, when I started, as I said, at Condi Centre, that was the first time I actually was able to do courses. I was given, um, there was a career guidance girl there named Ita, and she did this questionnaire thing and ended up by the top two things I was very good at was psychology and healing Brilliant. for some reason. yeah. But she got she got me to do a two year course one at the one in Pierce Street College. It was from um, I actually got a diploma in psychology, believe it or not. And that was the start because every year it was a, like a job initiative. It was up from C eight, and you got money each year for training. So every year I used it. It yeah. was I remember Dermot O'Hare. I started to work with him doing psychic work. I did a year's work on myself for my stuff because I'm thinking if I was ever to do work like that. I'd have to make sure that my all my stuff is looked at and dealt with. Lovely. Blah, blah, blah. Lovely. And then it came in, then think 2007, I was still in the Condley, our admin with Elaine, and a year's course with, there was five subjects in Warmer College. Now, I had to get the funding and all, but I got it. Now, that was hard, because I had to mean physiology, diet, nutrition, aromatherapy, massage, holistic massage, and something else. It was good, but I was shattered because it was two days a week and I still walk. But I passed everything. Brilliant. And it was what I was into. Now, like today, I wouldn't do massages. I think, you're gone too old now. But you'd still have that. I always had that touch with my hands. I don't know what it is. I taught people or I do a bit of Re- I, my Reiki teacher now. Did that years ago, but never kind of. I kind of bring it in that if someone's come into me and want one, whether it be visualization or just to talk. I kind of work, I can put my hands on or off the person. It's just touch or with me voice if I do visualisation. Okay. It's just, that's me. I can't be something I'm not. I have to be myself and that's okay. who I'll always be as myself. Brilliant, and brilliant. Was there, a, when you started this and doing one course after the other, was there, was there a fire lit on the, yeah, as yeah, in? Yeah, it was like, like yeah, being, I like this now. Oh, this, you're like a child, yeah. like Aladdin's cave. But I had to also bring it back and say, may you're working with people, you have to be, you have to make sure, you have to realise that people are vulnerable. You don't know where they're coming from. You don't know what stuff that's going on for them. So you have to be very mindful of that person's persona. I could go in there all lovely and think, but you have to say, that person might need that. It's very much going by your own, what, what do I feel with this person? Mm. How do I feel? Because I kind of try to put, I don't always, but I try to say, imagine even what that person's going through. Yeah. So I have to be mindful, I have to be very humble because it's it's a big thing for somebody humble. to take the guts and the courage to come in to talk to someone and say, no, you don't need. Now, I'm not a counsellor, but people think I am for some reason. But me, I'll talk to anybody, no matter who you are, big or small. Mm-hmm. You sit down and I'll talk to you and that's it. I think you made a great point there, May. You know, uh, in order to do this work, uh, and what what makes me qualified and you qualified just to be with people, not the council, not to to, to to give therapy, is you have to do your own work. You have to do your own uh, healing. Yeah. And you can't bring anyone somewhere that you've not been before. If you haven't looked in the cupboards or in your mind or your past, 
you can't ask somebody. No. You can't hold someone's no. hand to walk with them through that. Sure, you can't. It's, no. it's and as I said, don't get me wrong. Just I met with a lot of people that would have horrible childhoods or whatever for whatever reason. And to me hand and me heart, I hadn't got to go through that. But I I'm not an expert on this either, so I have to be very careful. I wouldn't suggest to anybody. Oh, go here and go there. If you're coming to me, I'm just sitting to trying to calm you down if it's nothing else. And try to relax you a bit, and try to bring you back in rather than be up there. That's all my kind of what I do. Yeah. I'd never suggest or say to someone, "Oh yeah, do this and do that." Thinking, no, you're not qualified to do that in that area. Do you know uh, what I mean? Oh, a million percent. That's yeah. a great point, May, yeah. and that's something I'm very mindful. I to get asked to work with people, and I meet with them and have the chat, but I'm very aware and very responsible. If, if it's beyond my skill set, I'll refer them on. I'll say, do you know what? And it's in service of them because somebody asked me to work with them and I says, look, I want you to get the best bang for your book. If you're coming to me for me to help you, I don't know if I have that skill set and if I hear your story, I'm going to say, no, this person is, is best to go yeah. to. They'll bring you through, you know. Yeah. you know, and, and Because it's it's a say you have to because you could do more damage and I wouldn't be able to live that knowing that I was have to say, no, yeah, I told the person to go here or come here. Like, even for the fact of, and the way I break it down, if I was doing massage when I used to, I'd say to people, look, you would know after the first or second session whether that person's doing what they love, what they do, offer money. You, it, people know, it's an inbuilt, an inbuilt thing, you would know, oh yeah, that person's only, like spas and different things, yeah, you know that girl or whatever, they're only here because of the money. Mm -hmm. And that's their journey, I'm not, I'm not trying to be down, and, but a person will sense it. 100% you know when somebody's in it for the for the cash and that's when yeah. anyone comes to wants to work with me I don't be thinking cash cow I'm thinking can I help this person yeah. and if I think it's out of our skills we'll just refer them on mm. to someone else and that's deadly I love that you do that when did the the the, the mediumship and the uh, clairvoyancy um, when did that really or was that always did, from childhood I, from a child I would have been I didn't realise it would be like I remember standing in the scullery at Jesus I would have been 6, 7 or 8 I think I remember saying to me, Ma, Ma, my dad's after breaking his arm. And she's looking at me. And my dad, like a worker, well, he's a painter and decorator, comes in with his arm in the plaster. My mum's looking at me. Now, I was only a kid. But I, if it was one thing I learned was a kid, I always had my hands would be boiling hot. Palms in my hand would be rotten. I never knew what it was. But as I got older and I kind of... It hit me there and be like, I know, you can kill me and you can batter me if you want to, but I'm telling you, I know. I just had that knowing. And nobody or nothing. Now, I wasn't screaming or shouting about it. It's just mm. I just knew inside, this is wrong or that's wrong or whatever. So I kind of always went with that. And same if I'm doing, we say, I don't do it now because of the COVID at the moment. But if I assume we say, rake your spiritual healing on someone, I trust my gut to put my hands where they're meant to be put. Or I'd say, right, you have a pain in your leg. Why have you pain in your le left leg? And the people be looking at me say, okay, I can feel it. Don't know how I can feel it, but I can. And that's where I would go. I trust where me, my hands is telling me to go. It's, it's mad people say, she's on my trolley. I've been told that before, but I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to own the two. You know what I mean? I can yeah. laugh at myself today. But I'm mindful of, okay, where do I need to put my hands? So as in the, the mediumship and, and your, your, your readings... How does that work? Tell us about. Tell us a bit about ship, that. As I said, I would have done because of each year after, before I even did it, all the courses of um, the body, I did a lot, lot of psychic courses with Dermot Her. He's a shaman. Now, I loved that. I loved the did sweat lodges up in the middle of Glen Cree in the November and it's snow and you're in a swimsuit. It's brilliant, great, great experience, right? Brilliant. But I was always into some. Oh yeah, I like this. If it kind of gave me that little twing. Um, I started then when I was doing psychic courses and medium. And it wasn't mediumship. There was this one coming, was it four or five years ago? It was a year's course done, a mentorship course done in Tally. And it was once a month, Saturday and Sunday. Now, it was a lot of money, but you'd, you could pay each month, which was great. So me and my friends that we used to do psychic kind of courses with, will we do it, will we not? Now, this was covering tarot. It was covering ours, you know, Diora. It was reading a picture. It was, I tell you, the very first one that we did. You were in this big room in the hotel and about 20 people or something. But your woman handed you a tin, tin biscuit box. But you got to say you to go up to the other end of the room and blindfold so you couldn't hear her say. And she'd say to you, <coughs> when she opened the box, it was just full of sand. I think, what the fuck is she doing here? 
and she motioned for you to put your palm print in the sand and then take her and got the person come back. Now he had to read that night. Oh, sweet Jesus, I can't read. I haven't got a clue. And I'd be going in a panic in my mind now. And I remember it was my turn. I go, oh, God. And I'm looking, and I, I, for, for some reason, I don't know, I just looked at this woman. I said, it's your grandmother. I said, she's, she's all around, did it? And I was giving her all this, and she said, did you spot on? I don't believe that. Or another time I remember there was, she had a row of, we say, chairs, and it was four or five men and women. So you were to stand, we say, two inches and metres, and you were to read that person and get something off them. So it was all kind of out of your comfort zone. And I kept thinking, I haven't got a clue what they're doing, but I was fascinated as well, you know what I mean? Yeah. I remember. So, and th- and each month it was different things. It was like, um, you'd have to read in line, you'd have to read the book, you'd have to tell me what you're thinking. Um, then you'd have to do a platform, which I loved. Oh, I, no, I love platform. Don't do it now. But you have to get up and stand in front of say, a group of people and you have to call in and trust what you're getting. And most of the time I was getting stuff, it was... Yeah, right there, right there. Yes, no, you have to just say yes or no. You can't let anybody feed you or you feed them. And I was being very accurate, but it was like, oh, this is rude. But then an awful lot of people are scared of it. I am not. I'm thinking I'd be more worried about the living the dead wouldn't bother me. Yeah. You know, I'd love me ancestors and all from down the line to come and talk to me and tell me what's going I think I'd be fascinated. That's just me. That makes me alive mm. for some reason. And another way, I was afraid to say to that one, because you have to be very careful, too, if you are doing mediumship work, you have to be very careful. It could be a person, a man, a woman in that audience. And you're giving out information like that, so you have to be very careful with your words. You have to be very careful the way you say it. Because it can bring more trauma to the person. 100%. But I just thought it was fascinating that I got this, or else I remember another time I kind of finished it for a while, and then... Uh, about a year after, I said, no, I'm not doing any more of that because it's too heavy because you can be draining. And this woman said, no, we're doing the one in, in uh, what's the name of that chapel in South Circle Road, the big chapel, halfway down South Sing Street. She had a little place there and they were doing it there. And I was just sitting with my friends and these people were doing mediumship on the platform. And my mum said, you go. I said, oh, no, I'm getting no, old. Mum will try. And for some reason I got this woman, it was this woman, and I could get... I was able to give her, it was our granny that lived in Oliver Bond Flats. I gave her the number over the kind of the hallway, exactly the way the woman where she sold fish in the end of Thomas Street. Um, and she actually was that hungry. T- she wouldn't tell people, but she was starving. Any food she was getting for her kids, but she wouldn't eat it. And everything I said was spot on, thinking, oh, my God. The, w- the girl was blown away. I'm thinking, I could just uh, kind of see it in my mind's eye. So I was gone, but what the... It was like daydreaming to me what pictures I was getting. I see this woman and she's an old pram and da 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 da. And I was kind of talking and that's the way I went. Now, what'd you call me mad? I don't care. But that's what I got. But it was, that's what, it's like kind of making a connection with spirit to ordinary day life. They're around us always. I firmly believe it. You'll always know your mum and dad or your aunts and uncles or whatever. Grannies and grandas, they're always around you. A hundred percent. And I feel, you know, I do. I I truly believe that I'm I'm, I'm surrounded by what you just spoke about. Angels and Jesus. And I'm so connected to it. And I was so open to it. But I have have to say, as you said there, and you remind me a lot. You don't leave yourself open. No, I ne- no, I don't like. I wa- I was going around like fucking the doors are swinging like barn doors. Come on in, everybody! You're welcome. Yeah, Ghosts, no, spirits, yeah. everybody. Careful who you call in, yeah. Absolutely, like you know, you have to be very mindful when you do this kind of work. When you do any kind of work, whether it be in hospitals, in spiritual, physical, any kind of trauma, because that's what we're dealing yeah. with. Sometimes the trauma, you have to keep yourself grounded, as you always remind me, and you have to say when you're open and when you're not open, yeah. you have to protect yourself as well because you're opening the door to yeah. to, to things you don't know. And, that, and I, I thought, ah, oh, it's all brilliant. It's all wonderful. Sure, look, I'm connected to the source. Oh. But you're leaving yourself open to things you don't know about. And it's common sense. If you haven't got common sense, you've not. Sometimes you common sense is not fairly common. You always have to use your common sense no matter what you do because it'll keep you grounded. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's the thing when you do this kind of work is you have to keep ground yourself. You have to... St- reminding yourself yeah. yeah there is a spirit world but there's also a physical world we are part of that the physical the spiritual and the psychological mm. and sometimes i forget that and think too busy up with the fairies you know yeah it's nice up there but it's not reality yeah absolutely and we're living in reality it's some journey of you on haven't you like you've gone from the flats to now talking to spirits and angels and holistic and 
it's all kind of very trendy right now, but it wasn't then. Mm. People are more open to it now, aren't yeah. they? Yeah, but I, where I'd kind of, and you were saying like angels and all, I have my own belief and that's, everybody has their own belief. If I'm working with someone in a group or we say one-to-ones, I, I would always be matter-of-fact of being in the now, so I have to be say I'm with a group of people now. I could be up there nice and nearly fairly, but that's not going to help this group. You have to manage a group. You have to make sure they're all right. You have to make sure that, obviously, the guidelines that you tell them and show them. If you're working, we say, in a one-to-one, you have to make sure that you close the person back down, that they're not going out of the room early, fairly, because that wouldn't be very good for them. So there's always kind of consequences. So you really have to make sure, yeah, you're doing your work and you're doing it properly. And you're trying to give um, information if that's the case or healing or whatever or even comfort or even just trying to even just relax the person. Yeah, absolutely. And that's it's a, I think you've echoed that right away through the interview. Is, is the, We have a responsibility yeah. for people when you work with them. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not about just doing therapy. You have to just mind them and be mindful that, you know, when we're gone, that they still have to carry this, yeah, whether we open yeah. anything up or say something, you know, like whether we talk about their trauma or we, we talk about the spirit world, we have to be mindful for the other 23 hours of the day that they're going to be off on their own and yeah. they need to be minded as well, don't they? It's a big thing because sometimes you can run away and run with it and you think, oh yeah, this is great, but you have to say, hold on, not only about me, I'm dealing with this person. I have no idea. This person's company. I have no idea what background they have, what trauma they have, if they had trauma in their lives. If it isn't the thing that even they take the step to come into you, that's some big step a person takes. So you have to be humble and you have to be kind of saying, that could be my child. And I wouldn't like my child to be treated. Do yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, hundred percent. I know you say this to people when they text me or get in contact, like if they want to do work or they want me to help them. First thing I always say to them, and it probably sounds cheesy, is fair play to you. Yeah. Fair play to you for taking that step. It's not easy. No. You know, it's easy to stay conscious and go off and hit the drink or hit the drugs or you know find some other toxic behavior to keep you unconscious. Yeah. But actually, to to turn into the dark, to turn into your pain, it takes it takes some balls. And to trust somebody enough to open that door to walk in. Yeah, and to believe in you, like to go, do you know what, they may be able to, to help say, you. Well, hopefully, and I've never, I mean, one thing I'm really kind of, no matter who I'm with, or ta- I, that conversation is with that com- person. It doesn't go outside the room, it doesn't go tell me brother, my sister, my friend, you know what I mean? You have to be so, because it's their life, their story. Yeah, 100%. So you're you like a keeper of stories as well, because you have to say, now that's not my people, an awful lot of people say to me, do you not be drained of your energy doing groups and all that? Because it's very heavy and all. I said, maybe so, but it's not my energy. I'm grounded, I'm protected, I'm looking after myself to be able to deliver a group and mm-hmm. to kind of tip on their little bits, but maybe give them little tools that they can bring home, maybe think a slight bit different. You can't change person unless they want to change that. Has to come from there. That's a fantastic point. You can't change unless somebody wants to change. Yeah. You can't do therapy on the people. No. You know, you can you can bring a, a horse of water, but you can't make him drink it. You know, True. and as you remind me last time, when the when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. Yeah. You know, I, I I can't I can't echo that enough. You know, even in the hospital I work in, I can't do therapy onto a brain injury patient unless they are aware and insightful that they need the help and want the help. You know, it, it's just mm. never gonna happen. Sure, it's not. Yeah. The one thing you said earlier is you're retired. You're not retired. No, you might I be retired from the day I die. Yeah, you're maybe from the Dolly Parton nine to five, but you're maybe still, you're so. still. No, I. And it's funny. It's a, like that. It's a thing I know for some reason. I don't know why I know. It's nobody's told me. Nobody's given me. And I just know I will not be sitting at home like an old granny. No, I am a granny, and I'm proud of it. And I get older, and so be it. But I won't be sitting at home thinking, "Oh, woe is me." Thinking, "No, I'll be out. I'll be either let me go to the forest, let me go to the sea on my own, even to sit there in the winter. It wouldn't bother me." Yeah, yeah. You, you have your bus pass, and you're and going. I'm so, do you know, it's one of the happiest things. <laughs> I don't have to pay. It's great. Yeah. It's a little thing, but you know, it's a major for me that I've always had to pay here, there, and everywhere. Yeah, but your mindset is deadly because some people go, "Oh, well, fuck! I'm now at the age of a bus pass. You're going brilliant of a bus yeah, pass. Yeah, I can I go, can go from on the blue as I can go to the country. Great." Yeah, and where most people go, I don't want to talk about. I want to. That's shameful. I'm, I'm a sixty, yeah. whatever, and I have a bus pass. I think it's deadly. It's I'm a great attitude. Yeah. So come here. If people want to work with you, what's what's the kind of service that you offer, and you know what? Well, as I said, um, I also do groups now, and that's groups, men, women, or whatever. And 
it's like I give you a suggest it'd be like kind of you could get an hour of um meditation. Now my meditation, the way I walk, obviously the person comes into the room, the group comes into the room. We go through the guidelines for so let that get out of the way. And then I kind of put on a bit of music and I kind of do visualisation if the way I talk. So I'd be talking to people and I could be could be in the mountainside. They could be in Crystal Cave. I could bring them to we say the Grand Canyon be riding on the beautiful white horse. It depends on what comes into my mind. And I'll talk them through all this. Now, they're lying down or sitting or whatever, and I'll bring them on a lovely journey. right? Now, I'll obviously do breathing exercises first just to ca- try and calm them down. Bring them down. Do the visualisation. And then when I do to end her off, I'll ask them how they get on in the journey. Some people, I didn't go anywhere, and that's okay, but it's yet just they're giving their brain a chance to settle down. But then I'll... I hand I what I do now because I can't hand cards. I have envelopes with one to ten or twelve, right? So I say to you or you, what number do you want? And so I read the card, and it's just a card of the day. It's nothing too heavy. It's not tarot. It's just what's got, and it's sometimes more than a. Do you get the card I meant to get for, for some reason? Now that's beyond my control. And then, percent. as I said, I do a bit of wind down then, and I close them down, and that's it. Now, that's visualisation. One-to-one would be, if I was doing Reiki, be, to be on a plinth, like a bed. And I'd like to tell the person, I, I don't have to put my hands near you, so it's private and it's safe and secure all the time. And I'd walk from the head, their shoulders, their knees, their ankles. I put my hand over them if I need to. And then I'll just bring them in and finish and do it round. Simple. I don't do anything too fancy because that's not me. Yeah, no, that's brilliant. And look, I've, I, you know, when I started this work, I do work. Sometimes I want to bring people where I think they need to go, but I've learned, you know, just give them what they what they want at the time. You know, you can't do therapy or you can't just yeah. project your stuff onto yeah. them. And I, or I, else I, like I could do like uh, someone, and it's it's. I know people have studied, and I'm not into the science part of it. I do a thing, and it can be done for groups as well, and it's just a, like a consultation. You could do a holistic consultation of the whole lifestyle and give them in feedback. Or else you can do a diet nutrition one. Where the diet nutrition one, I'll be able to tell them at the end. With their knots and crosses, what they write. You're either lacking in this vitamin or mineral. But rather than go out and get a vitamin, get it through fruit and veg. Ah, brilliant. And it's given to them so it's there they can have a home and look back in it or whatever. You know, just different things. You know. Brilliant. That is absolutely fantastic. Exactly. May, you're a, you're a fascinating and amazing woman. Uh, well, I'll never stop learning. You'll never stop. You're as hungry for learning and growing, you know, mm. even today which is absolutely fantastic you know you what came across in the interview this one and the last one all the stuff that uh, I, I, we talk about and we connect it is that you cared about people yeah. and you're generally always looking out for people and that comes true you know it always does whether it's you or anyone else that you're not in it for the money you're yeah. in it for to, to share your healing with someone and help them on the path which is amazing thank you you're an awesome woman, and the fact that you fucking you've got that project at home, Andy over there, like he's an amazing guy. But you should be canonized. I'm telling you, that's only one half. You haven't seen the other brother. The you other have. <laughs> what can I say? <laughs> They're a working project. No, I'm fairness. No, all jokes aside, like they are. They're great lads. They come from the inner city. Avoid the 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 stuff that they've avoided, and you know are doing well in life. It's a credit to you and credit to to their dad and uh, to the area, you know. So look, mate, thanks very much for coming on the podcast for the second time. I I actually think this was a better interview. What do you think, Andy? Do you know what I mean? It was ju- it just like same. I I interviewed a uh, uh, another lady, Katie Board, a compassion focused therapist, and I never press record on the interview. And we Stop. again, I had to go back to when she had to practice compassion and she said, yeah, like you did for me there. Better interview. It was just meant to happen. Just like That's we said it. there. Yeah. It was just meant to happen. So this I, I just loved it. It felt like we were talking yeah. about stuff we never talked before, even though we've talked about this many, many times. It's seen it again and again and again, but at a deeper level, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Like people, or you say, oh, I'm sick. I'm having this co- same conversation about a pain. But you're not. You're seeing it from a deeper, a deeper place. Perspective as well. Which? A different perspective. Yeah. And that thing, I think that's one main thing that mm. I always try to hold on. I can think one thing, but I don't know what you think. You think. You think. Because we all have a different perspective of the one thing. Yeah. There's there's three there's three sides. The thing. Your side, my side, and the real mm. side, and the truth. Yeah. 
So that's the crack, May. Thanks very much, guys. So there you have it, yeah. Mystic May. If you want to work with her, you can get in contact with me. I many other names, but I say nothing. Mystic May, the White Witch of Trees' Gardens. Crumbling was one of my friends calls me. You'll see her flying around uh, Trees' Gardens down our avenue on a broom sometimes. <laughs> Or a baseball cap sideways. Now, honestly, if you want to work with me, you can contact her. She has a Facebook page. Andy's working on that. You can contact us. You can find her on social media. She's on Instagram, on Facebook, or through Andy Liberty's Media Hub. So that's it. There's another whopper, whopper interview for Yup the Flats. Look, we've got, you know, people from all backgrounds. Now we have Mystic May, <laughs> the White Witch. Uh, I want to thank, the, oh, first of all, I must remember that the, the HSCU, the HSSCU Credit Union have sponsored this uh, podcast interview. They sponsored me book. It's over there. Um, uh, thanks very much. Uh, they've collaborated with us. they got so many copies to give it out to their, their customers and their staff. So thanks very much to them. They're doing amazing work in the Liberties. They're always supporting initiatives and pumping money back into the community. So look, thanks very much to the HSSCU Credit Union. Big shout out to Noel Royley from Rooney Media Graphics, Andy's Liberty Media Hub, me sidekick, me pal, doing amazing work. The girls from Shannon's Hopeline doing amazing work, grassroots mental health support for our community. I just can't uh, thank them enough. Liberty's uh, super on the lads there doing amazing work. Anyone else I haven't mentioned, Catherine's CAF support our local community businesses. Uh, thanks to you guys for all the support, all the kindness, all sharing all our work. I have a stall in the Liberties Market now, uh, selling all things mind, soul and body health uh, for minding your little self. We've lots of retreats, we've lots of work going on. Andy has an online shop at Liberty Media Hub. You want to buy some amazing pictures. Andy, tell us a little bit about, shout out what the, what the work that you do. What's the pictures? Oh, it's just pictures, graphic images of the Liberties and also we're bringing a clothing brand. Yeah, so Andy's got a Liberty's clothing brand coming soon. He's got the photos. He's, he's took some iconic pictures of uh, Trees' gardens before they, they, they get knocked down, so they're available. Another work, he's done some amazing work with his photographs. You can find his work uh, linked to our website at magicminds.ie, www.magicminds.ie. We also have a GoFundMe page. I'm getting up my begging bowl here. If you want to uh, sponsor us or if you want to send us over a few dollars, if you don't have any money, you can still find us and all our work for free. It's all there for you. So look, thanks very much. As May said, make sure you mind yourself, stay grounded, because if you're kind and grounded and minding your little self, you're a better servant to your community. So all I'd say is thanks very much, May. Thanks for having me. You up the flats, you up the liberties, mind your little self. Take care, boy, boy. Yup the flats. Yeah, no, the blood.